can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. All right, Celtics fans, we are back with another episode of Boston Celtics Game Day Recap. I'm your host, Guy DiPlacido, and we are joined by good friend Matt Costello. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Guy, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Looking forward to talking some Celtics with you. Uh, wish we had a better game to talk about. Uh, the Celtics' inconsistencies continued. Uh, it's the one consistent thing about their game is that we can expect inconsistencies. Uh, we lost to the Pelicans tonight. And, you know, it was a, it was a tough game. We had a 24-point lead. Uh, but I do want to start the podcast, same as normal here. Uh, go through player of the game for both of us. We'll start talking through some of the positives, uh, just pretty much just the first half. Uh, and then we'll dive into some of the negatives in the second half here. So I want to kick it over to you here, Matt. Uh, for player of the game, who do you got? Uh, I said to you, I think, before, too, guy, um, you know, if you asked me until midway through the third who my player of the game would have been, it probably would have been the team would have, would have been the team as a whole for the team defense, I think, the first half. Um, the team defense obviously falling apart there in the fourth. I would have to go with um, kind of shocking of a time lord. Um, I know, obviously, Jason Tatum had a great night. Um, you know, not the best night shooting the ball, but had a great night. Um, seemed to be really getting the ball in the hoop. But I think Time Lord, I think Robert Williams really had a great night coming out tonight with a lot of energy. I mean, the way he plays defensively, um, hitting the glass. You know, he's um, you know, he's really stepped forward, I think, in the past even few weeks. Um, getting yeah. more and more minutes. Here we go as they go along in the season. Yeah, he looked he looked awesome tonight. I mean, the fact, oh, like, he, he looked- ended the game 8 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, but he also had 4 blocks. And that, to me, like, a couple of them, he blocked the absolute hell out of Zion late in the game. And I, like, almost punched a hole through my wall over here, like, going crazy. But, yeah, yeah, you know, and I think just the the defensive intensity he brings, you know, I mean, night in, night out lately, you know, um, you know, from kind of being a problem when we first drafted him, you know, him missing the flight into the first day of practice and sleeping on the press conference. You know, I think he's really came along these past few years. And, um, you know, it's going to be exciting. I think it's going to be exciting to watch him down the stretch, even in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, honestly, you probably could have given player of the game to any of the bigs. And if you look at numbers, like, again, stat sheet-wise, didn't do a ton. But as far as like as far as holding Time Lord down, we did a pretty good job tonight. I mean, obviously you look at the fourth quarter and you know things kind of went off the rail. I think he had like 15 points in the fourth quarter alone. Uh, but up until that point, like the Celtics bigs played really well. Uh, if you look up and down, like Thompson two blocks, Tice three blocks, uh, all of them had a steal. Like overall, they played a solid game defensively like controlling Zion and I talked to you about this like prior to the prior to the podcast but like Zion at at halftime had four points and three turnovers so like the Celtics the Celtics bigs overall and and that's just I guess that's kind of the way the the rest of the game went also like the Celtics beat the shit out of the Pelicans in the first half and then just got crushed you know, really from the midway point of the third uh, all the way into the fourth. And then 
in overtime ultimately. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I like your pick. I mean, even Christian Thompson, um, you know, not having been the biggest Christian Thompson fan so far throughout this year, but even watching him, you know, defensively tonight, yeah. uh, being active on the glass, I think he had nine rebounds. Um, you know, and I think I believe fourteen points to go along with that. You know, even him just being active on the boards, you know, and Tice obviously being, you know, solid in the middle. You know, it's I think that's a big positive to go away, at least with this loss. I know it was ugly, but, um, you know, you're right. The Bigs just, they did. They played great tonight. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, for player of the game, for me, it's kind of, it's kind of tough because, you know, the Bigs did play well for three quarters. And then, obviously, you got... Jason Tatum, who played pretty well, hit that clutch shot, the clutch floater with 0.2 seconds left to tie the game, pushing it into overtime. But the guy for me that, you know, I was probably most excited about today is Aaron Neesmith. And again, similar to, well, I can't say similar to Time Lord, but as far as stats go, like, really did not put up a stellar game. I mean, he had 10 points, two steals, four rebounds. But, you know, for me, his play on the defensive end completely has moved him into a rotational role. And that, to me, is huge. Because if you look at the first, I don't know, 15 games of the season, like, he didn't step on the floor because whenever he got in, he looked absolutely lost defensively. That's the exact word I was going for. for that. But, like completely lost. lost. So like for me, that's the that's the biggest thing that like I've seen from him over the last, you know, even call it five games. Like defensively, he's he's a guy similar to let's call it Javante Green, where he comes in and just runs all over the floor. Like he'll bring a lot of intensity on the defensive end and you know, has started to figure out rotations a little bit. Again, he's not perfect, but, you know, that for me is kind of the the big thing. And he was hitting the shots. You know, overall, I think that's, that's all you can really ask for, a, you know, a role player. Go in, play as hard as you can on defense, and, you know, hit the shots that you have. I mean, he's not he's not a guy that's going to go in and shoot every time he touches the ball. Not Not now, at least, but he shot three or four. You know, that's a, it's a solid game in my eyes. You know, you're right, guy, too. I, I, I really like Ernie Smith, and I think as of late, too, I think just he looks so much more comfortable out there on the floor, too, you know what I mean? Being able to, you know, play that way and kind of being comfortable, you know, defending the other team's better players or, as you, as you would say, you know, being in that wing uh, position. Um, and if you look, too, you said the past five games how much he's – how better he's played. I mean, the past five games, he's been the first person off the bench for Brad. Oh, 100%. So the yeah. past five games. And well, you know, well-deserved, too. I mean, you're right, the kick up, Delta, he plays with energy. He doesn't really turn the ball over often. You know, he plays great defense. You know, and I, I think just him being more consistent and more comfortable out there. And I think, like you said, I think it's going to come with time. You know, he's still a rookie. You know, we didn't really they didn't have a real training camp, you know, um, he was also coming in hurt. Like, he was coming in hurt, didn't really get to play for almost, like, oh, for over a year at this point. So it's just, like, it's it's tough in a, in a season where you don't have any sort of, you know, preseason. You can't play any real live NBA games. 
and you're not getting any sort of practice time. Even during the season, we're not getting practice time. Like, we're playing too many games. Like, it's just, it's not feasible. Absolutely. You know, and, and, that, and that's tough. I think that's showing a lot why, you know, they're having a hard time closing out games, too. You know what I mean? Um, you know, really not having that practice time, that cohesiveness. And like you said, I mean, how many <laughs> – I don't even know what number we're at, you know, for different starting lineups so far this year. 16. You know, it's got to be well over 50% of the games we played, we've had different starting lineups, you know. Yep. So I think all the guys are still trying to, you know, get – you know, a flow offensively together in these different lineups. And, you know, I know we've had a lot of injuries and, you know, some COVID protocols. and uh, But I think in the long run it's going to help out these young kids like Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Naismith, you know, to get some real minutes and get some real playing time that down the stretch we may need them. Yeah. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, it's, it's tough in a season like this. But, you know, again, I think this team changes a lot once the All-Star break is over and, Maybe I'm a naive Celtics fan because I keep pushing things off till later, pushing it off till, you know, once Tatum gets back, once Kemba gets back, and now I'm pushing it even further towards the All-Star break. But, you know, we do have Smart coming back post-All-Star game. Romeo Langford should come back post-All-Star game. And post-All-Star game, we're also getting, you know, hopefully a good use of the TPE. So this, this roster is going to be a lot different then than it is now. So I'm not really, I'm not happy with where we are, but I'm not freaking out as much as, you know, most Celtics fans are at this point. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button just yet, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's not, it's not. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a weird season, man. It really is. It is, but it, yeah, it, it is, and I think that's going to even attest to even like seeding this year. You know what I mean? Down stretch of the playoffs, you know what I mean? Where it's such a weird season. Um, you know, you could see a really good team ended up in the sixth slot. You know what I mean? Or in the five slot, or you know, yeah. it, I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty much how it is. I mean, all of the the Eastern Conference is a lot better this year than it has been historically, and if you look at it. The Celtics are a 500 team. The Pacers are actually right there with us. So, like, we're going to have, you know, a, a Pacers team as a five seed. And, well, hopefully at least. You know, hopefully the Celtics turn this around. But, you know, the Eastern Conference is a lot better this year. And even, you know, going looking at the Nets, looking at the Sixers, like, none of them are really having their way with teams. Like, there's they still have – you know, 10 plus losses. So there's really no like clear, clear front runner. I'm like, it's definitely not the Celtics right now, but you know, it's. Oh, absolutely. And you know, like you even said, like you said, you get Indiana right behind you and you know, Toronto right behind that. Toronto's at 500 as well. 15 to 15 right now. You know what I mean? Toronto's that type of team. They're a young team with uh, Siakam and Van Vliet, you know, Powell, they can, they turn they can it around. put it on you too. They can give you games. They can give they can give you a series. You yeah. know, um, that's why I think you know where it may not be as big as an issue right now, and you know, not totally panic with the Celtics where they sit. But you, you need to win the games that you're supposed to win. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. you know, and tonight was one of those games. I mean, you know, you're up 24 in the third. You you got to close that out. Yeah, you know, you got you got to win those games, and that's how you're gonna hold your spot or even try to gain ground on a team like Milwaukee, you know, who's dropped a few late. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's it's just it's just a tough it's a tough circumstance. But yeah, I do wanna I do wanna touch on you know both of the Jays here for a little bit because if you look at you know the game in itself, neither of them shot very well, and I'm sure we'll we'll touch on them a little bit in the back half of the podcast as well. Uh, but I do want to switch over to, to Tatum here because you know late in the game, still continued to do Tatum type things. Uh, he hit that. He hit the really hard floater with like 0.2 seconds left, heavily contested, uh, to tie the game, force overtime, um, and ended the game. 32 points, nine rebounds, two assists, two steals. Uh, so I do want to. I do want to hear your thoughts because I mean, overall tonight for me, I mean, again, not a great shooting night, but down the stretch, performing when you need him to. And, you know, just like you said, though, Guy, I mean, you know, Jason Tatum, that's that's what he does. I mean, he's he's big time. <laughs> the, the kid is big time. He's clutch. That's what he does. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of him and Jalen um, having a little bit of trouble shooting the ball tonight is, I think, just, you know, the everyday pressure of having lately to carry this offense. Yeah. I mean, the Celtics offense goes as they go. They do not go. You know, you know they have something have a really hard time moving the ball, getting the ball in the basket. Um, sometimes I think a lot of the shots are forced. You know, where um, which explains kind of the bad shoot numbers. But when it comes down, it comes to late. I mean, them two as a duo, it's 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 deadly. They really are. They're they're a deadly duo. Um, I still, you know, even Tatum, you know, nine rebounds tonight. I mean, nine rebounds, not really that many assists, but thirty-two points, really hammering the scoring load, that's just, you know, that's Jason Tatum. He's going to be a high-volume shooter. He's going to shoot He's going to shoot 20 times game. But um, if it's close game, you know, if you give number zero the ball, he's going to get you a bucket. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, I mean, we did see a pretty good performance from Tatum. It's, I mean, more so than, than Jalen. We'll touch on that here, too, I guess, in both halves. But, you know, Jalen Brown tonight – 25 points, nine assists, six rebounds. Really thought he was going to be on a, a triple-double watch early. I mean, after the first quarter alone, he had, like I think it was 11 points, four rebounds, five assists. So really looked like he was going to be you know, hitting that triple-double. Uh, didn't quite get there. And he had a pretty rough night shooting, 7 of 23. But late in the game... He did have a couple of, like, clutch, clutch shots. You know, he had a huge three to go up six after the Celtics went scoreless for four minutes and then had a unbelievable drive and one to tie the game at 104 with, like, a minute 40 left and then was fouled on a three with 16 seconds left to bring within two. So, like, he had a couple of like massive, massive plays. So that's like, that's the only reason that I'm including him in the the front section here, because, you know, if it wasn't for that, like the inconsistency shooting wise are tough, but like he had a couple of like, couple of plays that just changed the game. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Right there. I think that goes to show right there though, too, guy. That's why, um, that's why he's going to be an all-star this year. You know what I mean? Um, He's big time. He's the same as Jason Tatum. He's big time. You know, and if you'd ask me who was the most valuable player on the Celtics, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, 
I don't know if I can tell you right now. I'm, right now, I might even have to go Jalen Brown just because his defensive intensity. But, um, you know, I, I, again, I think it's just a lot of his shooting numbers, a lot of, um, you know, we really don't have that many choices offensively. Yeah. Outside of Jason and Jalen, you know? Yeah, it's brutal. Um, it's brutal some of the times. And I hate to say it, even without Marcus Smart, too. I mean, you lose a lot with Marcus Smart, too. Marcus Smart, not only scoring the ball, he can handle it and he can generate offense for others. You know, and I just, as of late, really haven't seen that from them, okay. from the Celtics offense. Yeah, it is about as frustrating as it gets. And I feel like I'm saying that way too often in these podcasts. But uh, I do want to I do want to switch it up here. So I want to want to switch to the back half, uh, talk about some of the negatives here. Before we do so, I want to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. All right, let's take a quick second here. Shout out a new sponsor, Vidget. Vidget is the first gamified social network for sports bettors. It's 100% free to download and gives sports bettors like me and you a place to talk about sports betting and compete against friends. Vidget has a free play sports book, which gives you the opportunity to win real prizes like t-shirts, Amazon gift cards, and even a PS5. They also have really cool betting league features, which kind of works like fantasy football for sports betting. Download today using the referral CeltsPod, that's C-E-L-T-S-P-O-D, and get 2,500 free coins to start betting with. All right, guys, time for a new favorite sponsor alert, Venture Greens Nutrition. Venture Greens Nutrition is changing the nutrition game forever. They offer one-on-one coaching where they build macro-based diets to get you moving in the right direction. As great as the coaching is, what I love most about Venture Green Nutrition is their line of CBD products. They have tinctures, salves, beard care, and gear. And the best part is all Venture Green's Nutrition's products are formulated and manufactured in their own facilities in the United States. Check them out at VentureGreensNutrition.com. Use code CelticsTake15, that's CelticsTake15, for 15% off. You won't regret it. All right, Celtics fans, we are back. Talk about some of the negatives of today's game, today's loss. I uh, do want to really kick it over to Matt here, because if you look at the game, second half really just fell apart. Most of it starting from, I believe it was... With about six minutes left, we had a 24-point lead in the third quarter. Uh, And from that six-minute mark in the third till about three minutes in the fourth, we gave up that entire lead. Uh, And a lot of it, to me, was due to just defensive effort and just missed shots overall. So I want to hear your thoughts on kind of what happened and why we just could not figure it out. That's it, you know, right there. It's just a defensive effort. I mean, and what kills me, too, is the first half and even the first, you know, four or five minutes of that third quarter, you know, the defensive intensity was unbelievable. And, you know, the team defense, the, you know, the rotations, help defense, you know, rotating over on switches. And, you know, they, they did great. Everyone looked like they knew their job, executed their job on defense. And then something happened. I don't even. I couldn't even tell you what happened in the third quarter, but a light just switched, and all of that just was gone within, you know, a few moments. You know, I, I didn't think there was that much intensity. You know, they, you know, weren't really diving after rebounds as hard late there in that third quarter, letting them make runs, um, second chance points. Um, 
you know, then offensively just bad offensive possessions after one after another and after another. And like you know, guy too. I mean, basketball's a game of runs, but eventually, um, you know, I think it's time, you know, to call a timeout, regroup, get a good offensive look. And I just don't think the Celtics did that. I think they let it slip too far until it was, you know, when we're going into the fourth quarter, you know, up fourteen, you know, and to let them come back and you know have a three point lead, but a minute or two left in the clock that's you know it's kind of unacceptable it's it's tough i mean if you look at the if you look at the quarter by quarter analysis at least like celtics outscored new orleans 30 to 28 in the first 33 to 19 in the second as we had a 16 point lead at halftime looked unbelievable defensively we were doing everything right held zion to nothing uh third quarter if you look at it New Orleans 27, Boston 24. And that is the most misleading stat in the game because the Celtics got the lead all the way up to 24. So we had like a, an 8-0, not an 8-0 run, but like more or less we outscored them by eight points in the first six minutes. And it was all downhill from there. The Pelicans just went on a massive run to end the third. And then an even bigger run to start the fourth. And I guess not even to start the fourth, but just the entire fourth. Like they killed us 34 to 21. And I've said this over and over. This is like every game, every podcast, I feel like I'm bringing this up. It's, it's one thing to lose a quarter in a game because it's, it's going to happen. You're not going to kill a team by, you know, a good amount every single quarter. You're going to have one bad quarter. It's just the ba- the way basketball is. You mentioned it with the, it's a game of runs. But it seems like every time we lose, there's a quarter where we're losing a quarter by double digits. And that to me is the big issue. Like we mentioned it in between, you know, sections here, but like this team is just way too athletic way too good of a team to be losing by 13 points in any quarter like there's 12 minutes how do you get outscored by 12 13 points it's just it's not a it's not a recipe for a win and like you said too and like we were saying in between segments that um you know they're way too good defensively to let you know a team outscore you by 13 points in a quarter you know, like you said, you know, it's a game of runs. You're going to have your quarters where you're outscored by eight, six, seven, whatever it may be. But, you know, to have a full letdown like that, and I think it goes back to, you know, and you've said it multiple times on this podcast, and it's so true, the inconsistency, you know, not being able to put four quarters together. You know, the Celtics have struggled with that all year long, um, which kind of surprises me because that's, hasn't really been their identity the past few years. Usually they're a team that plays 60 minutes hot, yeah. all four quarters. Um, so it's a little disappointing um, seeing that. But I think a lot of it stems from, you know, even Marcus Smart being out. Um, you know, you look at the intensity, and the team's defensive intensity for four quarters when Marcus Smart's on the floor. Um, you know, not having him, I think, you know, complacency sets in. For some guys, and um, the defensive effort is just not there. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is very, very frustrating. Um, yeah, I do want to. I do want to touch on Kemba. And uh, <laughs> I, I know, I know. So Kemba Walker, fourteen points, four assists, uh, with incredible shooting shooting numbers. Five of twenty-one from the field, including one of twelve from three. So just like absolutely horrible shooting night for Kemba. And I tweeted it right right as the game was ending. You know, he missed a couple of huge shots that could have put us over. And the amount of trade Kemba posts that I am going to be seeing over the next couple days or until he, you know, has a good game and people shut up, but it's it's going to be through the roof. Like, what's your panic meter on Kemba so far? I'm giving him the uh, benefit of the doubt because of the knee injury as of right now, but it's not looking good. I mean, um, consistently since he showed up to play, I think, what was it, January 17th when he came back, um, you know, he just hasn't been there. Um, I don't think the intensity is there um, really for him. You know, I know Kemba plays really loose, and, you know, that's why he's a great teammate. A lot of, you know, plays in the league love him. But, um, you know, even at the end there, um, in the fourth quarter overtime, I forget which what it was, but Kemba, I think overtime, Kemba forcing a three up, um, which he clanked back it's iron a, again. A tough and just walking off, smiling, and, you know, really not. You know, you're sitting here at 500. Your team's struggling. You just lost a 24-point lead. Um. I don't know if it's hit the panic button on Kemba yet, but um, it, it, it's certainly frustrating watching him. It, it's just frustrating watching him play. He turns turning the ball over as of late. I mean, it's it, it's getting very frustrating. I'll I'll tell <laughs> you, you know, overall uh, tonight the Celtics only had ten turnovers for the entire game, and we played overtime. So that number to me is absolutely mind blowing. But if you look at the if you look at it, the Celtics had I think two in the first half. The Pelicans had ten in the first half. The Pelicans ended with thirteen. So that means they had three in the entire second half, and we had eight. So that shows you that shows it, you it does. of uh, defensive intensity from each team. It does. <laughs> you know, it, it, it really does. Um, you know, and, and even the 10 turnovers, I mean, I mean, I think Kemba only had two turnovers and Jalen had three. Um, I, I just think the key turnovers, you know what I mean? It Time is. when you really it's, need a bucket. It's, you know, it's and, extremely frustrating. Like the first half, the first half we had 19 points off of turnovers. We ended the game with 21. So, like, almost nothing in the second half. So, like, that was a huge portion of our – I mean, again, we had a 16-point lead at the end of halftime and 19 points off of turnovers. And, you know, that right there is the, the big difference maker. So it, it, it is, too. And, I mean, to speak on Kemba again, the 5 of 21 shooting, um, you know, that's just it's, – It's horrible. It's horrible. And, and the, it's, part it's that, horrible. the part that pisses me off more is like I am not – like I'm not pushing the panic button yet on Kemba. Like I'm just – I refuse to do it. But I've spoken about it the last couple podcasts. Like he has been 
pretty consistent over the last four games. He's played really well. He was averaging like 22 points a game. His shooting stats were up. Uh, but like overall, I mean, it like tonight is just another night where it's it's showing that he is he lacks size, and you know his shooting numbers just need to improve. Like we, the Celtics are the Celtics will go as far as Kemba lets us go. I truly, I, I, I truly believe that. I truly, I truly agree with that too. I mean, if the Celtics want to think to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, uh, Kemba Walker's going to shoot the ball better. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you really count off that pick and roll, you know, that kind of jump stop at the three and pull up from Kemba. You know, you really count on a lot of those. You know, um, and paying the guy way too tonight. much money. Yes, I agree. Like you know, and, and way I, way too much money. Well, I mean, again, if he can get you twenty plus points on a consistent shooting night, it's it's not a crazy amount of money. Like, but for thirty four million dollars, like he needs to be better. Like he can't oh, shoot. He can't shoot twenty percent. You can't shoot twenty percent for thirty four million dollars a year. I agree. Yeah. You know, um, in which it's just hurting his, you know, trade value too. I'm not saying trade Kemba either. Again, not pushing the panic button on Kemba, but um. You know, I think, like I said, you know, I talked before earlier in the podcast about, you know, Jalen and Jason really trying to force things offensively, you know, and sometimes seeming like they're forcing the offense through them, um, where I think, you know, that's where I really think a good point guard lies. We need someone who can initiate offense, who can initiate offense for others. All right, so let's so let's transition with that point, right? So let's move away from how shitty they played tonight. Uh but I do want to I do want to transition into kind of what the Celtics look like moving forward. And I, we talked about this in the break, but you know, right now we don't have Smart, we don't have Langford, and we have a twenty eight and a half million dollar TPE that all are expected to come pretty soon. So we've got Kemba, well, we've got Romeo and Marcus Smart supposed to be coming back after the all-star break the trade deadline is not far behind that so where do you see this team kind of pivoting or you know as far as adding players go you know what are your thoughts so far on you know what this Celtics team looks like after that trade deadline I mean I think we all know the Celtics need a big they need someone who can stretch the floor as a big um I don't really see that being feasible before the trade deadline. Um, I don't really see them being that being a clear cut that they're going to do that for the deadline. I think I do think though Danny does make a move and um, and stepped at the wing, you know. And I think that's something that the Celtics really lack is they lack a lot of depth at the wing. You know, someone who can come in, get you a twelve fifteen off the bench, you know, easy. Good D can play the stretch four, you know, maybe even small ball lineup, play the five. Um, I know I've heard you talk a lot about Harrison Barnes. I love that. Um, I think that's kind of a perfect fit, Harrison Barnes. Um, you know, I know we've I've heard it thrown out there too with JJ Redick, like you said too. I'm not sure if I really love the contract, but um, you know, someone along those lines, even they can come off the bench and you know really put the ball in the basket for you. Um, I know I mentioned to you before, too, Guy, about uh, David Bertans from uh, Washington. Doesn't really fix the problem, but it, it does help. It is a little bit of a piece. It's a shooting, someone who can play the four. Um, 
but it's wing depth. I think that's really what needs to be addressed, and I think it needs to be addressed this yeah. year um, with the TPE. Um, Soon. Soon. You know, and I, and I know some people say, too, well, you know, you could save the TPE um, for next season and really try to do it, but how many times have we heard that? <laughs> I mean, so so my whole thing with days. that is, like, if if you do that, like, the entire Celtics fan base is going to turn on Danny Ainge. I like it's just it's just the way it is. Like uh, we probably have the hardest fans to please, and I'm not saying Danny Ainge needs to bend over backwards to make our fans happy. Like I I trust what he's doing, but you know you gotta you gotta look at the fan base right now. And if he doesn't make a move before this deadline, people are gonna go nuts. Like oh, nuts. absolutely. And like you said too, I mean especially. You know, Boston Celtics fans, you know, Boston fans in general. Um, and, you know, Danny, I'm sure Danny knows that too. He's been all of his years here in the 80s out with Celtics. But, you know, it, they're going to go nuts. And I, I think, not even looking at Celtics fans, I think if Danny, you really look at that roster up and down, and, you know, he came out and said it. I mean, they're just, they need a piece. They're not that good. Yeah. They need a piece. They need a couple pieces. I mean, they do need a big man. Um, like I said, stretch the floor. There's no way that's coming trade via trade. I, I just don't see it before the trade deadline. Um, you know, your best shot of really making change in this team and this roster a little bit, I think, is like we said, wing depth. And you know, in this in today's NBA, you can never not have too many wings. You know, six eight who can put the ball in the hoop, put the ball on the ground. I mean, it's just you can't have to, you can't have enough of them. Wow, you just described Harrison Barnes to a nutshell. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying you said the said no. those words, but like I don't know. To me, that's all I heard. Uh, but exactly, that's why I think Harrison Barnes fits. You know, I think he's. I think he's a good fit. Um, I think he's a good fit for this team. It's just whether they can get it done. Um, I, I don't. I think Danny needs to look to do something. It may not be a big, huge splash, but it's got to be a little bit of a splash here. So he needs something going forward. So I'm looking. I'm looking at the roster right now, and up and down. Like for me, I don't think we'd really need a, a big as much as we do a wingman, like you said. Uh, for me, like the emergence of Time Lord is a game changer. What it does for the Celtics, though, because we've got we've got Tice that's on an expiring contract, right? Like he'll be a free agent this year, probably gonna need more money. We've got Tristan Thompson that is probably making too much, or well, it's definitely making too much for what he's doing. Um, and then we've also got other like tradable assets in Grant Williams, like he's a a bigger guy that is showing that he can shoot. But, like, we just – we have too much depth at the big man position, none of which are, like, stellar. I, lo- I love Tice. I'm a huge Tice guy, and I think Robert Williams has a ton of upside. Like, you saw him today jump, I, I don't know, 20 feet in the air to get an alley-oop from JB. Like, the guy's athleticism is unbelievable. And he is improving. On, in all aspects of his game. So, and that's why I don't even think um, we're really looking for a big man before the trade deadline, too, because I think it's going to be interesting to see come playoff time 
um, with, with Time Lord, <clears throat> get more minutes and more minutes, and um, let's see what he can do. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what he can do, too. So um, if, if that's the some... case, if that's the case, though, by the trade deadline, do you think it's worth trying to shop a guy like Tice on a, re, a, a ending contract and potentially a guy like Thompson? I don't know if there's a big market for Thompson. There's probably there's probably a huge market for a guy like Tice. He's a big, not yeah, making I, a ton I, I, of money Tice, that can shoot. Tice is going to be more marketable than Tristan Thompson, especially money-wise, too. You know, it's kind of that one-year rental that – you know, for cheap money that, you know, teams, he probably is a high market for. Um, That's a tough question, (laughs) to be honest with you. Um, I do like Tice. I I like the way he plays, you know, his aggression is on boards, defensively, you know, you know, he knows his role on the team. Uh, I I honestly wouldn't be, I wouldn't be opposed to it because I think if you're dealing someone, someone like with Tice, with the TP, um, I can. Can you do that with a TP? Can so you, you can't. With... You can't trade him with a TP. They would be separate transactions, essentially. Okay, okay. But, but you would still need to stay some... under the twenty-eight point five million for any other gotcha. player you get with the TP. But that's gotcha. as far as like potential shedding salary. I'm saying he's a guy that makes five million, so it's not a. It's not a ton, but it's. You know, it's an expiring contract, and he has trade value. And you, exactly, and I think that might be worth even, you know, making a bigger splash at the depth of the wing. Um, you know what I mean? It might open up your possibilities of who you could get. I mean, um, it might think, it might take a guy like Tice to get Harrison, get Harrison Barnes. Barnes. No, I agree. So, I agree, and um, I, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, but the only thing that worries me with Time Lord is um, injury. Yeah, you know, uh, he's, he's proven that he's, he's really, such a wild card. Yeah, you, you don't know if he's going to stay healthy or not. Um, that's why I think the, this playoffs in this uh, postseason, the second half of the season, is going to be a big, uh, a big trial area. I think for uh, Time Lord, um, the way Danny Ainge sits, um, you know, to see, you know, this is what his third year now, I believe. You know, second, third year. Um, yeah. You know, so let's see, you know, how he's developed, how he's came along. I, you know, very exciting to watch. Um, you know, like you said, the guy could jump through the roof, you know. Yeah. And I don't think anything was better than that block on Zion Williamson at the end of the game. But um, I don't know. That freaking alley-oop from Jalen Brown might have topped it. Like, yeah, oh, my no. God. Like, he literally, he got to a point where he could have touched the back, like the top of the backboard. Like, he was that high up. I'm like, I thought for and, sure JB was turning that ball over. And he and somehow got that down. In college at Texas A&M, you know, really high flyer. Someone can get up there, slam it, block shots. Um, you know, if you, I don't know if you saw any of them in college. You know, that was his MO. I'm pretty sure he's Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year because of that, you know. Um, yeah, he, and he's exciting. And, you know, I just don't know about dealing ties just yet. Um, yeah. Because of that, it would be nice because I think, like we both agree, you know, a wing player would be huge right now. Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about Josh Hart as well. Um, he played, you know, real well tonight. So, so that's real well. so that's another that's, thing too. I mean, the Pelicans are a team that you know could be sellers at the deadline. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's necessarily a guy like Josh Hart, but I mean, it it could be, it could I be. Mean, you know, even Josh Hart, um, 
he's great. He's good defensively. You know, he can give you baskets off the bench. Um, you know, yeah. right now I think it's just such a tricky question, but um, what I do know is I agree with you. I, I think Danny needs to make a move. Otherwise, these fans are going to, you know, really start to lose their patience here. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, you heard it here first. Everyone agrees with Guy. I'm just going to I'm going to take that clip and then just like use that as the trailer for my episode. So I appreciate you saying that, Matt. Um, but that's but that's what we got for today, guys. We'll we'll wrap it up here. Uh, Matt, I appreciate you hopping on the podcast. Guy, thanks for having me, buddy. Appreciate it. Absolutely. If you haven't, guys, make sure to follow me on Twitter at NBA Celtics guy. Uh, make sure to subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Uh, and make sure to tune in soon. We've got another game coming up. Talk to you guys soon. Have a good night, Celtics fans. I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic. I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic. I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic. I can't help it. I'm all like a Celtic.